You're listening to the Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast, the place I go to get my fantasy fulfilled. The best analysis, advice, and opinions on fantasy football that you can't find anywhere else. Let the fantasy begin. Breaking news alert. Burke and Miz talk off-season signings. Please call the police if you see anyone suspicious not listening to this podcast. Here we are for going into week four news. There's a lot of breaking news. Not as bad as going into week three news where it seemed like everyone and their moms was injured and going on IR. There definitely were some injuries, but uh, let's go around the league really quick, let you know what's going on. Chris Carson hurt his ankle, and it looks like he'll play. The reason why it's significant is, and it's drawing a lot of buzz, is because Tristan Hill, the tackle for the Cowboys, the defensive tackle, kind of did a barrel roll, you know, holding on to his ankle and uh, twisted it pretty uh, pretty significantly. And it looked like Chris Carson could be out for a while. It's not looking like he'll be out for a while, but it was a dirty play nonetheless. And you used to see that a lot like underneath piles and in the olden days, but now they have cameras everywhere, so you really can't get away with it. Mike McCarthy said, you know, it was, it was an accident. It didn't seem like he did it intentionally, but... That's just Mike McCarthy sticking up for his guy. Like, that's his guy. That's what he's going to say. It looked really intentional. I've seen a lot of videos of it. I can't come to any other conclusion than it was intentional. It just was a bad look for the Cowboys and for Tristan Hill. And you really hope Chris Carson is okay and he doesn't have any lingering effects from that ankle. And I don't want Chris Carson to miss a game over something like that. It'd be unfortunate. And hopefully the NFL does something. They probably won't, but... It would be good for them to crack down on, on something like that. And, you know, especially for, you know, a, a running back that's, uh, they get hurt already uh, pretty easily just based off of the, the attrition of the position. And uh, you don't like to see something blatant and intentional like that. Tariq Cohen went to IR, ACL tear. That's sad. I like to watch Tariq Cohen. He really hasn't been very fantasy relevant, but uh, exciting player nonetheless. It's mostly because he plays for the Bears, and the Bears offense just in general has, has been pretty bad. But, uh, you know, there's it should be getting better, and uh, I'll get to that news a- after this since it's pretty relevant to uh, the team. But uh, Ryan Nall is the third running back. He's obviously not like Tariq Cohen. He doesn't provide that uh, that change of pace. So I don't think you'll be seeing him taking that role. It's going to be basically David Montgomery until they die. It's the ride or die for him unless there's an injury or he just gets tired and they need to have someone else go in there. You, you know, you'll see more Ryan Nall, but it won't be significant and won't be a fantasy uh, factor. But that's uh, who I see getting the workload. Oregon State product. Uh, he's, you know, it'll be, it'll be blah, I guess. He's not, he's definitely not as exciting as uh, Tariq Cohen. In the same, uh, in the same vein, Mitch Trubisky, you know, my buddy that I talk so highly of every podcast, 
He got benched after they were behind. Uh, Nick Foles went in there, brought the Bears back to win the game. It was a thing of beauty just because you actually saw their players making plays. In like you know, especially Allen Robinson got a late touchdown at the end. I mean, Jimmy Graham got two touchdowns, and it just made the Bears' offense a little more exciting. And they just announced that it's going to be Nick Foles' job going into week four. Doesn't mean it's going to be long-term, but, I mean, if the Bears play like they did at the end of the uh, Falcons game, I don't see how it can't still be, you know, can't continue to be Nick Foles' job because that offense looked so much better. And, you know, for the Bears to be 3-0 and is a surprising thing just because of how bad that offense is. But uh, if if they can improve that with uh, the, the play of Nick Foles, then they're, uh, they're a team to be reckoned with again. And that's a scary thought. And I never thought the coaching staff would veer away from Mitch Trubisky because they were so invested in him. And, you know, even the game plan, I didn't like the game plan. It was like they were forcing Trubisky to be uh, somebody that he wasn't. And it's finally now, like, I guess they realize that, you know, this is their jobs on the line. Like, they, they, they can't afford to, uh, uh, you know, can't afford to force Trubisky down everybody's throats. Um, Jordan Reed, sad day for Jordan Reed. It's always a sad day for Jordan Reed. He is on IR again. He hurt his ankle, so he, he left. But that's not what sent him to IR. He actually came back and played. So you're like, all right, he's back. You know, he hurt his ankle. This isn't going to be, you know, this isn't going to be one of those days where he cuts it short. And then proceeds to hurt his knee. Now he's placed on IR. And the season's not done. Should only be about eight weeks or so. So he will be back. But, you know, George Kittle will be back by then. So uh, there's really no fantasy relevance to him anymore in, in that regard, unless Kittle gets hurt again. But. You know, who replaces Jordan Reed in the short term? It's going to be Ross Dwelly. Ross Dwelly is a good play. Kittle might, doesn't look like he's going to be back for week four. Probably probably will be back after that. So if Ross Dwelly, you know, he, we'll talk about pickups, but he might not be, he, you know, if you need a one-week pickup, great. But outside of that, uh, it, it might not be a good idea with Kittle coming back. But Ross Dwelly is the guy. He actually played really well in Kittle's absence last year when Kittle was hurt. So Jordan Reed was more of a luxury for the 49ers, and Ross Dwelly is more than capable of filling in short-term at that position and being effective. And Earl Thomas is visiting the Texans. He wanted to come back to Texan, or to Texas, and everyone figured it was going to be the Cowboys. He probably clamored for the Cowboys. He probably called Jerry Jones, like, hey, Jerry, what's going on? You know, I forced my way out of Baltimore so I can uh, be by your side. And Jerry was probably like, nah, man, we're cool. We don't need you. Uh, we're, we're good. And so who's the next best thing? The Texans. And the Texans are working him out. Texans defense is, you know, has, they haven't played well, but they've also played some pretty amazing teams. Like, I don't know who they pissed off at the league offices, but to get the you know, the Chiefs opening uh, to open the season, and then Baltimore, and then Pittsburgh. Like, that's just three teams right in a row where it's like, you can't picture them being anything but 0-3. And, and, you know, I think their defense suffered for that. So I think their defense is better 
than uh, what they've played like because of that, but uh, they definitely can use some improvement. So I'm all for them uh, trying to get better, especially on that back end. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Anyways, some uh, other news. Corey Le- uh, Legit uh, got signed by the Houston Texans as well, trying to, uh, again, solidify that defense a little bit. They need it because they're getting thrashed on the ground. Corey uh, Legit was really good. At, he was really legit against the uh, the run for San Diego. So um, Obviously, he's not the player he once was, but uh, it can definitely help that, that rush defense. Talked about Michael Pittman. He was hurt. And he had compartment leg syndrome on his calf. He's going to be out for a while till at least week eight. And with Paris Campbell already being on IR, which Paris Campbell's coming back, which is really good news. It just will be like another eight or nine weeks. Um, if he's able to come back, you know, later on, that's great because he started the season off really well. But that's going to be both Pittman and Paris Campbell out for two months and that's a long time so there's definitely someone that we're going to talk about on the pickups of the week because the Colts are still going to pass the ball they can't just throw to T.Y. Hilton all day and so there's there's a couple options that I think will take over that uh that target volume but it's unfortunate because Michael Pittman Jr. was you know starting to get a lot of targets starting to build a rapport with Philip Rivers and now he will be no more so at least for now. Deshaun Jackson got injured during the the Eagles game, which, I mean, they have more receivers on IR or injured than they do playing. It's unfortunate. Uh, I don't know what's going on in Philadelphia, but it's a uh, it's a walking wounded over there. Dallas uh, Goddard is going to miss a lot of time with a high ankle sprain, so it's really going to be Zach Ertz, and. You know, I thought uh, Goddard had a chance to have a really good week, but uh, he had a high ankle sprain and will be out. Um, Chris Godwin's getting an MRI on his hamstring. He was knocked out of the game against Denver after he scored a touchdown. Was playing pretty well. Hopefully it's not a long-term thing and he can come back because it's Chris Godwin. I think he's one of the most uh, electric receivers. Uh, I think Godwin and Calvin Ridley are my favorite young receivers that are just really relevant uh, in in fantasy football circles. And I would pretty much end this segment with the Jacksonville Jaguars signing Steven Hushka. Hushka. And uh, the uh, KGB got him into uh, Jacksonville to start kicking. I say that because his name sounds very Russian or Eastern European, kind of like the uh, the uh, Eastern Bloc. No one knew where Hushka was at. He came out of the uh, uh, you know somewhere behind the uh, the walls of of communism to uh, you know helicopters over to America and Jacksonville to uh, start kicking for Jacksonville, and uh, that's because Lambo was put on IR. That was kind of sudden and unexpected, and you probably missed it if you weren't paying attention, which is easy to to do for a kicker. No one really pays attention to kickers, but uh, it definitely caused some turmoil in our league in regards to him, you know, Lambo going to IR, and uh, Hushka is a good replacement. I, I think you know he's 
just as good as Lambeau, so they won't be missing a beat in that regard. And that will do it for the breaking news. The Burke and Miz Goats of the Week. Here we go. Our number three goat of the week at the quarterback position was Dak Prescott. He was 37 for 57, 472 yards. So if you're keeping track, that's almost 1,000 yards in two games. He's just been really carrying this offense, and part of it is they're playing behind, so he has to throw a lot. Uh, But three touchdowns, two interceptions, also ran the ball six times for 26 yards. And he had a great day. Uh, He just wasn't able to come back to beat the Seahawks. Seahawks, you know, 138 to 31. But overall, uh, it was a high-scoring game, a lot of offense. And Dak Prescott, what impressed me was he was able to get it to, man, the whole team, the way he spread it around. Cedric Wilson, Michael Gallup. They had big days, 100 yards and touchdowns. Cooper did all right. He was just a shade under 100 yards. And uh, CeeDee Lamb didn't get as many yards but made some big plays. It was just an all-around effort by everybody, and it was fun to watch on both sides of the ball. And I think, you know, with uh, the way Dak Prescott is playing, if, if their defense, you know, is keeps letting the other team score as many points as they have, this is just going to be par for the course for Dak Prescott. You're going to see a lot of games like this for him because he's capable of doing it. And it's just unfortunate that it came in uh, two losing efforts in the first three weeks. My number two star of the week is Josh Allen. He was he was 24 for 33 for 311 yards. Had four touchdowns. He did throw a pick, but he also ran the ball for four times. Only had eight yards, but he also scored on the ground. So that equals five touchdowns. And Josh Allen's not a typical quarterback. He's just, he's hard to explain, and but he gets the job done. And he's, yeah, he's not the most accurate. He's, he can run the ball. He can, he can throw the ball. He does everything off balance. It just looks wacky. He runs wacky, he runs off balance, he throws off balance, and, but he scores. And whether it's running or passing, just this is a third straight week that he's been on the the goats of the week, just dominant. And I had him ranked in the man, I think I had him at number ten. So I thought he'd be the tenth best quarterback. He's the best quarterback. Him and Russell Wilson. Uh, so for him to be top two like this, he's just playing out of his mind. And I'll be honest, I thought, eh, you know, they played the Jets, they played the Dolphins, not a big deal. This was against the Rams. They scored 35 points against the Rams. Rams are a good team. And, you know, if you would have told me the Bills would be scoring 35 points against anybody with the, you know, with the way their offense was designed previously, I wouldn't have believed it. And, you know, and here's the thing was they had a big lead. The Rams came back. You're like, oh, here we go. Rams are coming back. They're going to win like they're supposed to. And then Josh Allen let him down the field, and they scored again and won the game. So they won 35-32. I thought the Rams were going to win this game. I know Buffalo's a tough place to play, but, yeah, Josh Allen just, uh, he's hes a great quarterback. And like I said, it's just, what makes him so fun to watch is he's just so, it's, it's awkward almost. Like, he's not the prototypical quarterback. He just gets the job done. So that's what's fun about it. 
Number one star of the week, Russell Wilson. He's the MVP of the season so far, just dominant. 27 for 40, 315 yards, five TDs, zero interceptions. Also ran for 22 yards. But, I mean, he would have thrown for more. There was one, like, he threw three to Tyler Lockett, threw one to Hollister. He had one to DK Metcalf late, but that other one to DK Metcalf was, you know, DK Metcalf led uh, led up a little bit, trying to, you know, jaunt across the line, thinking that no one was behind him, and got the ball knocked out of the end zone. And uh, something like that's just unfortunate. And, you know, probably pissed off a lot of fantasy owners, but... Russell Wilson could have had more than this, I guess is the point I'm making. And, uh, again, you know, Sunday night, Monday night games don't go into this because uh, we all probably would have added Mahomes. But, uh, yeah, Russell Wilson's just on fire right now. 14 touchdown passes in three games, first quarterback to do that. And I don't see him slowing down. He's definitely MVP of the season so far. Our running backs, goats of the week, and, you know, it's our old friends making uh, making it back to the list. Nick Chubb is our number three, 19 attempt, attempts for 108 yards. He had a 5.68-yard uh, average per carry, two touchdowns. He had one catch for two yards, which... You know, it's one more catch than I thought he'd uh, he'd have on the season. Uh, I, I kid, but uh, Nick Chubb had a, a, a great day, and you know, against the, that Redskins defense, I thought the Redskins front seven would kind of st- stop their rush a little bit and make Cleveland have to pass a little bit more. But they didn't, and Cleveland was able to do what they do regardless of the, you know regardless on what Washington was doing to stop him. And it was a good thing to see that the, the you know the Browns scored 34 points, which I didn't think they had it in them, but they did. It's the second week in a row they've scored in the 30s. Against the Bengals, you kind of can expect that, but against the Redskins, uh, it, it was a good effort. And again, the Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, they, they can coexist. And uh, Nick Chubb just had an amazing day. And uh, he's going to just, I think, keep it up. He's matchup-proof right now. He's able to run against anybody. He had one okay week. The other two were amazing. He's going to keep it up. Again, you know, I, I always talk about this. People were high on Cream Hunt, kind of downplaying Nick Chubb's uh, uh, ability. I had him ranked as the number six running back, I believe. And I just really believed in him. Like, he, you know, he can really rush the ball. He's the best running back, uh, rushing-wise, that I've seen in a while. And uh, he, uh, he he's going to make some noise this year. My number two running back, GOAT of the week, is Derrick Henry. He had 119 yards, you know, four-and-a-half-yard average, two touchdowns, had 11 yards receiving against the Vikings, and... You know, the Vikings defense is just decimated by injury. They're not good. They lost everybody in the offseason. Barr went to IR. Derrick Henry was due for a big day. And although the Vikings were good at stopping the run, Derrick Henry's matchup proof. And, man, he was. He had a great game. And Derrick Henry's always kind of a, a 
he's not a scary play because he's a stud, but he doesn't always show up before Thanksgiving. It's always after Thanksgiving that he just dominates. And usually before then he has some stinkers and you're always worried about that. But wasn't the case in this one. He was his old self, looked great. He's just such a big man running the ball. And he he ran over the the Minnesota Vikings. My number one running back star of the week is none other than Dalvin Cook for the Vikings against the Titans. This one was a little bit more surprising because I thought the Titans were decent at stopping the run. Of course, Dalvin Cook is matchup proof as well. you got to start him anytime you can. He can make even good run defenses look stupid. And he did. He ran the ball 22 times for 181 yards. Had like a 76-yard run. That looked pretty impressive. He averaged 8.2 yards a carry. Had one only that one touchdown. Had 18 yards receiving. Really big day for him. Uh, Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara are two, you know, over the first three weeks are, are pretty much my, my two lock running backs that can play against anybody, doesn't matter, and are going to be dominant. And Dalvin Cook definitely took the reins on that one today. <laughs> Our wide receiver, Goats of the Week, number three is Justin Jefferson for the Vikings. Nine targets, seven catches for 175 yards and a touchdown against the Titans. I have to admit, the Vikings scored a lot more points against the Titans than I thought. I actually had most of the Vikings on the bench as a sit, and Justin Jefferson especially isn't even on a lot of rosters. And he really solidified himself as that second receiver to Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen was quiet, and Justin Jefferson just went off. And I like Justin Jefferson's talent. I didn't know how he fit with Minnesota, and I mentioned that before. But uh, whatever they did this week was completely different, and it worked. And get Justin Jefferson the ball more because that was impressive. Uh, anytime you get 175 yards out of nowhere, it's, uh, you know, the rookie did, uh, did very well this week. My number two GOAT of the week is Cedric Wilson. Had seven targets, had 107 yards with five catches, two touchdowns. Two touchdowns for Cedric Wilson. Just Great game from him. He was actually the highest scoring receiver for the Cowboys. And come on, who didn't see that coming? You know, Amari Cooper, whatever. Tyler Locke, or uh, Michael Gallup, whatever. CeeDee Lamb, whatever. It's Cedric Wilson. I don't think his dad had a game better than this in his career than what uh, Cedric Wilson just had uh, against the Seahawks. He was he was dynamic too. Every time he touched the ball, it looked like he can take it to the house. And so it wasn't just those two touchdowns. There were some other catches he had where I thought he was going to break it too. So I don't know what happened to Cedric Wilson this game compared to the other games, but looked like a whole different receiver. And and maybe it's opportunity, but you know you're, it's looking like there's a there's four receivers now in Dallas, and uh, you know good luck working that out. That it's a good problem for Dak Prescott to have, but. Um, Moving forward, they definitely need to keep Cedric Wilson involved in that offense. My number one GOAT of the week, Tyler Lockett. 13 targets, he had 9 catches, 100 yards, 3 touchdowns. 
Tyler, the creator, Lockett, just, uh, you know, I, I thought DK Metcalf was going to blow up this game. Obviously had his opportunities and, and didn't play bad. He did well. But, man, that rapport he has with Russell Wilson is just something. And I'm actually surprised that he only caught nine balls with 13 targets because, the you know, Russell Wilson, when he targets Lockett, they have an insane uh, completion percentage. It's like in the 90s, like 96% or something. It's just ridiculous. And, you know, he had 13 opportunities to catch the ball. And uh, you definitely want to be seeing that. And the way Russell Wilson's going, you can expect more of that probably in the future. I mean, 14 touchdown passes the first three weeks, uh, that's that's going to keep going. Tyler Lockett's going to be lucky. Uh, I mean, he's talented, but I mean, lucky in getting those opportunities that he's going to get. And he's going to take advantage of it because of how talented he is. Really fun guy to watch. I'm on the Tyler Lockett train this year, and it's only going to keep getting better. But he's our number one GOAT of the week with that performance at receiver. <laughs> Moving on to our tight end, GOATs of the week. Number three was Eric Ebron for the Steelers against the Houston Texas uh, Texans. Seven targets, had five catches for 52 yards and a touchdown. This is definitely a more subdued goats of the week for the tight end position. The tight ends dominated the first two weeks. Like It was almost like they didn't know receivers even existed. But uh, things went back to normal in this one, and Ebron uh, was the uh, – third goat with the uh, 52 yards and the touchdown and it's good to see the Steelers utilizing the tight end position because it was so vacant for all of last year without a quarterback there was rumors that uh, Ebron would be a part of the offense this year and you didn't see it the first two weeks so maybe this is a sign of things to come I definitely think it helped having uh, Deontay Johnson out with a concussion but uh yeah he's definitely the uh the, the third goat of the week. The number two goat of the week is Tyler Croft for the Buffalo Bills. Dawson Knox was hurt, didn't play. Croft came in, five targets, four catches, 24 yards, two touchdowns. And yeah, I get it. 24 yards isn't a big deal, but those two touchdowns are, especially at the tight end position. And that got him as the number two scoring tight end of the week. Tyler Croft, number two goat. Uh, and that's the thing, though, is uh, he, he was a decent receiving tight end for the Bengals before he went to Buffalo. Dawson Knox was hurt, so I wouldn't put too much stock in Tyler Croft. I wouldn't obviously pick him up or anything yet. Uh, he's still the backup tight end, but uh, a great day for him nonetheless. Number one goat of the week, Jimmy Graham. Ten targets, which... Is insane for Jimmy Graham to get 10 targets. I haven't seen him get 10 targets since his heydays. Uh, he's kind of been a forgotten commodity everywhere he's gone uh, since he uh, left the uh, Seahawks. 10 targets, 6 catches, 60 yards, 2 touchdowns. And thank you, Nick Foles. You just made Jimmy Graham a very popular man this week. Number one star of the week on their comeback victory against the Falcons. And... Poor Falcons getting, you know, 18-point lead, then a 16-point lead, and just blowing both of those, losing 30-26 to 26 to the Bears. Uh, th but mostly thanks to Jimmy Graham for uh, putting him in a position to, to beat the Falcons.
Burke and Ms. the Wiz Montalban, Ghosts of the Week. Let's get this started. Now here's the sad part of our show, where we go over the Ghosts of the Week. And, unfortunately, our number three Ghost of the Week was Gardner Minshew. 30 for 42, 275 yards, zero touchdowns, through an interception. Uh, just an overall blah day. You're expecting big things against Miami, and it just didn't happen. So, and, and Miami definitely wasn't, you know, they don't play the pass very well, but uh, the beard is definitely better than the mustache in, in Gardner Minshew didn't have the day that we wanted and everyone was talking him up all week i was talking him up all week thinking he was gonna have a great game people started him over other quarterbacks that uh, you normally wouldn't start gardner Minshew over just because of how uh hyped up he was this week and he came out of thursday night with a dud and uh now he needs to shave that mustache but we'll see bad game for him and uh, the Dolphins just dominated from from front to back in that. Uh, if, actually, James Robinson's probably the only one that even looked good for the Jaguars in this one. My number two ghost of the week is Sam Darnold for the Jets, and I don't need to pile on, but he was 17 for 29, a measly 168 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions, two interceptions for touchdowns. You could probably argue that he could have been the number one ghost of the week, I get that. He almost made it. But, uh, man, three interceptions is not a good day. And I think the reason why I didn't put him up there is because he's too easy of a target to be the number one ghost of the week. I still believe in Sam Darnold, and I'm not a guy that, you know, believes in a lot of quarterbacks, especially, you know, young quarterbacks. I usually side on the fact that they're not going to be very good in their careers. I just think Sam Darnold is so shell shocked. I mean, he has his whole he has his backup running back. He has like his backup receivers. Uh, you know, Chris Herndon, I guess, is a starter, but his offensive line was you know dropping like flies. He, he doesn't have anybody, and he's in a horrible offensive system that makes everybody look bad until they leave, and. You know, I, I don't pin this on Sam Darnold at at all. And you know what this points to? This points to my dislike for Adam Gase and his offense. This is all on Adam Gase. Uh, please save Sam Darnold from the New York Jets because I, you know, fans obviously are going to uh, be pretty upset and bitter about this one, but it, it definitely isn't uh, Sam Darnold's fault that they lost to the Colts. They're just a really bad team. I thought they would show some fight and, and cover the spread. They didn't. It's my mistake. I'll, I'll never, you know, bet on the on the Jets again, uh, thinking that they have pride because they obviously showed no pride whatsoever. And uh, again, I think that's a product of Adam Gaze. My number one ghost of the week. It could have been Mitchell Trubisky because I'd love to put him here, and he was actually one of our uh, goats one of the weeks. But uh, it's Daniel Jones for the Giants. 17 for 32, 179 yards, zero touchdowns, threw a pick. I get it was against the 49ers, but I figured this was a game he would show some life. The The Niners are 
depleted. They have a bunch of injuries. It was kind of ripe for them to, you know, like I said, it was a tough defense, but to uh, they've been playing so many tough defenses every week that uh, I figured this would be a showing that he, they can show improvement, uh, you know, take advantage of those injuries and pick on people in the secondary and uh, in the, on the second level. None of that happened. Daniel Jones looked horrible. He lo- he's been looking horrible for the first three weeks. Um, so he's my number one ghost. But here's the thing. I like Daniel Jones. You know, I talked about him before saying that he was going to have a great season. And I still believe that. I, I get Barkley's out, Shepard's out. But I really believe in Daniel Jones to take the next step. It's just a brutal opening of the not the Houston Texans brutal, but still brutal. You know, playing the Bears defense, playing the Steelers defense week one, and then going and playing the Niners defense, that's that's not an easy slate by any means. So I uh, I think from here on out it starts getting easier, and you're going to see the Daniel Jones that everyone's been raving about. <laughs> now on to our running back. Ghosts of the week. Number three is David Montgomery. He was 14 for, well, 14 carries for 45 yards, had three targets in the passing game, caught two of those for nine yards. That's just not going to cut it. You know, Chicago played Atlanta. It was a ripe matchup for David Montgomery to be pretty efficient and kind of laid a dud. And that's always my concern with David Montgomery. Yeah, he has good weeks, and he does good against some bad matchups sometimes. But then he has good matchups, and he doesn't do so so well. And and what bothers me is the inconsistency of that. It makes him a tough play for me, especially because I, I don't, you know, he's like a, number, a running back two, and he's not a running back two that I'm confident in. If I if I have a running back two, I, I like them to be, you know, being able to take advantage of the, the bad matchups. And right now I just... With David Montgomery, you know, from his rookie year to this year, I'm not sure I have that. So he's always going to teeter on being a running back to flex play for me um, just because I, I can't trust him to be consistent in those bad matchups. And he definitely showed it in this one, um, you know, what, 5.4 points. Not going to get it done. My number two ghost of the week is Joshua Kelly. And I get it, he's not starting. Austin Eckler's the starter. He definitely blew up, blew up. But the reason why I put Joshua Kelly there was because he was getting so much hype. And this was his chance. He was getting all the targets and volume from the first couple weeks that this was going to be his, you know, taking the next step. Uh, a lot of places were saying to start him all over the place. And I thought he was a good start. I definitely liked Eckler better. Um, but... This was even disappointing for what my expectations were on Joshua Kelly. Had eight carries for 43 yards, two targets, uh, caught both of them for nine yards, and he had the fumble, which was unfortunate. Um, yeah, Joshua Kelly just didn't perform and kind of left fans wanting more from him in this matchup because it was you can't get a better matchup than the one that they had. And... Uh, there's better days ahead for Joshua Kelly, for sure. My number one ghost of the week was Melvin Gordon for the Broncos. They really needed Melvin Gordon to play well with the quarterback situation and the wide receiver injuries. 
you know, Philip Lindsay might be coming back, which will be a good thing. Um, but this was a chance for Melvin Gordon to shine, kind of carried the team a little bit. Instead, he carried the ball eight times for 26 yards, was targeted six times in the passing game, only had four catches for 12 yards. And as a number one back that was getting all the volume, you definitely wanted more than that. And I know a lot of people started him and then were very disappointed after the game. Our number three ghost of the week for the wide receivers. Number three is A.J. Green. Six targets, five catches, 36 yards. That is it. Um, he gets a lot of air yards, figuring that this would be A.J. Green's breakout game, where he was actually you know, produced against this Eagles defense. And that all went to T. Higgins. Uh, A.J. Green really didn't do much. Their offense looked horrible down the stretch. Uh, actually, both offenses did. You know, they tied the Eagles 23-23, to and this didn't pan out for A.J. Green owners like they had hoped, and it's really disappointing. And at this point, I don't think A.J. Green's a start. I think you need to keep him on your bench till you can see something from him because with all that volume, like, you know, target-wise that he's getting, he's not doing anything with it, and I, I really think you, you might start seeing T. Higgins get put into that offense and uh, utilize more based off the fact that A.J. Green isn't producing like we uh, would expect from A.J. Green. Number two is Juice Landry. Four targets. He had four catches for 36 yards. So he cut everything thrown to him except for he didn't do much with it. And Cleveland, you know, they won. They, they beat the Redskins. Or, sorry, the Washington football team. I uh, try to remember to do uh, exclude their nickname. But anyways, really bad day from Juice Landry. I thought this would be a game that he would have a good matchup with. with. Baker Mayfield would be throwing the ball a lot, and it didn't happen, and Juice Landry had a, another bad game. Number one is Brandon Cooks. Had five targets, only caught the ball three times for 23 yards, and I think it's disappointing because you knew it was going to be a tough matchup with the Steelers, so you weren't sure if any of the receivers were going to have a great day. But Randall Cobb and Will Fuller actually had a decent day. They did all right. They both scored touchdowns. You know, they didn't get 100 yards, but they got over 50. And Brandon Cooks was the odd man out. And he was kind of banged up going into it, so yeah. But he's been like that for a while now, and... He didn't have the game that you'd want from uh, from Brandon Cooks, especially because he's kind of the secondary receiver, and you figure that he would have a better day than uh, Will Fuller uh, because of how well the Steelers are able to usually isolate their number one receiver. Wasn't the case. Brandon Cooks had a bad week, and you know, hopefully uh, he starts picking it up a little bit. <laughs> Now it's time for our tight end ghosts of the week. Number three, Chris Herndon. And again, it's too easy picking Jets, but that's the way it goes. Five targets. I only had three catches for 21 yards. And, you know, they were be very behind most of the game against the Colts. You figured that uh, there'd be some more uh, passing volume, especially from tight end, since Chris Herndon's one of their few starting uh, receiving options still left, 
Didn't happen. Chris Herndon has been a major disappointment so far this year. And he's almost at the point where you can drop him. I don't blame Chris Herndon. I think he's a talent, like I said. I, I put him in the same camp as Sam Darnold. Uh, those those two guys aren't that bad. I just feel like they're in the uh, Adam Gase system that's really holding them back. And they're just not being productive. My number two is Darren Waller. He had four targets, caught two of them for nine yards. Now this is against the Patriots who do a good job of isolating somebody that they don't want to uh, impact the game. Darren Waller's their best player on offense, so you knew it was going to be him. But man, did the Patriots shut him down. He didn't do anything. I was expecting more from him, even with the added attention, especially after the week he had on Monday night. And he, yeah, the the Patriots shut him down completely. Uh, And he only had four targets, which was even more insane. You know, he went from having, what, 13 targets, 15 targets, I think, the week before to just having four. Really bad day from him. I actually contemplated having him number one, but my number one target or ghost of the week is going to be Drew Sample just for the fact that uh, it was kind of a blind play where it's like, we haven't seen him before. Let's see what he can do. This is a great matchup, and, you know, he can have a breakout game. And he didn't. He had one target for one catch and one yard. So ones across the board, didn't do anything, you know, tied the Eagles. Eagles were really bad against defending the tight end position, and Drew Sample apparently didn't care about that. He, guess, couldn't even get open because he had that one target. And overall, just a really disappointing day. And it was really tough to put Sample over Waller because Waller's a better talent that you expect more from. But I just can't get over how, you know, you hype up a guy uh, like Sample to, uh, you know, in a great matchup. This could be the guy that, like, can make or break your your lineup by, you know, being too clever. And I admit I would have been too clever with it. And I didn't uh, – I would have picked up a Drew Sample to play. And uh, it would have burned me like it did this week. So, obviously, uh, you're not playing Drew Sample in any format going forward until you see more from that offense in regards to the tight end position. Uh, It wasn't the C.J. Azuma-type game the week before that you were were hoping for. So, that concludes our tight end uh, ghost segment. And let's keep on moving. Let's keep the train moving. It's Perk and Mrs. Pickups of the Week. Let's get started. It's Perk and Mrs. Pickups of the Week. Let's get started. All right, now it's time for everyone's favorite part of the segment where we discuss who needs to be picked up this week. Again, going over the rules, if I mentioned them in a previous podcast for my pickups, I won't mention them this week as they should have already been picked up. Um, you know, there was a lot of action last week with the running backs, regards to Gallman and Devonta Freeman and Mike Davis and all those. So this is actually kind of a smaller week in regards to pickups for running backs. But uh, I think there's still some value, and when you hear me state my case on them, maybe you'll agree with me. But at quarterbacks, my number one is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Plays for the Dolphins, schedule opens up. Fitzpatrick's actually a great play at quarterback against bad defenses. Uh, He was like that last year. He has great weapons in Preston Williams and Devontae Parker. Uh, 
So I see good things for Ryan Fitzpatrick, and especially if you need, you have an injury, or maybe you had Mitchell Trubisky and you need someone to replace him. Uh, Fitzpatrick's the way to go. I think he's the quarterback that you need to own in that regard. Makes a good backup. If anything, good spot starter uh, on a on a day where he plays a, a bad defense. My number two is Nick Foles. He took over for Mitchell Trubisky. I don't know if you've heard, um, but he's going to be there long term. And you know, a lot of people uh, these uh, you know Sunday and, and Monday were saying that he was going to uh, potentially just be a short term answer. That they'll try to get Trubisky back in there. I he they might because they're so invested in Trubisky, but I don't know. I, I think they've seen enough that they're they were ride or die with Mitchell Trubisky this long, and now they're they, they need to save their jobs. And they know that uh, the way the offense looked with uh, Nick Foles playing quarterback was just night and day, and he's going to get the job the rest of the way. So you're, you're potentially getting a reestablished offense under Nick Foles that can produce points and Nick Foles makes a great spot start or backup he definitely needs to be a a pickup option because I think now that quarterback position Nick Foles moves into the top 24 in the NFL and makes him uh, makes him ownable at this point my number three is Nick Mullins and I say that because I really like Nick Mullins I think he's a better passer than Garoppolo. And I know that's blasphemy because, you know, everyone likes uh, Garoppolo. Oh, he's so handsome, you know, he's so smooth. And he is, I admit, he's handsome, he's smooth. But uh, Mullins is a better passer, and they actually pass the ball better with Mullins than they do with Garoppolo. Um, and I realize that the 49ers are a ground-and-pound uh, team, but uh, they always seem to do better with uh, Mullins passing the ball. And with Garoppolo being out for another week, I think that uh, Mullins makes a, a pretty good play here. And he's, you know, going to be a low cost. He's playing, you know, they're playing the Eagles, who have a beat-up secondary. And, you know, I, I know that they looked pretty good against the Bengals. Um, but... This could be a good matchup for Mullins, and he needs to be at least considered as that third quarterback pickup. At running back, it's a lot less sexier than quarterback for sure. Um, all the big pickups were last week. Number one, I have Damian Harris, and you're probably wondering, why do I have Damian Harris, uh, Damian Harris after Rex Burkhead just had a standing game where he had three touchdowns, two receiving you know, Rex Burkhead was amazing. Why do you have Rex Burkhead as your, you know, why do you have Damian Harris as a pickup? And the reason why I say this is because Rex Burkhead's going to go back to being the backup to James White in the offense. James White's going to be the receiving running back. And I think Sony Michelle's going to lose his job to Damian Harris when Damian Harris comes off of IR. And Damian Harris is going to come off of IR any week now. It's coming, and it's close. And you'd prefer to have him on your team than him to be taken off IR, join the Patriots, and then somebody else pick him up. Or even worse, he actually gets to play, does amazing, and then you got to waste a waiver priority on him. Damian Harris is someone that you can kind of sneak onto your roster 
especially if you have an IR slot. Slide Damian Harris in that IR slot and put him in when it's time because I think that Sony Michelle is really just holding the uh, the spot warm for Damian Harris for when he gets back. So he's my number one pickup. My number two pickup, and this is going to be kind of controversial a little bit because uh, it sounds like I'm giving up on somebody, but it's Chase Edmonds for the Cardinals. And, and I say that because he is productive even with Kenyon Drake being there. And, I mean, it's going to be a crapshoot on what game he's going to be, you know, going to get the volume to be productive for fantasy football purposes. But I'm starting to sour on Kenyon Drake. He's had three weeks. He's had good matchups to do something. And Kyler Murray is actually taking over some of those rushing uh, touchdowns that uh, should belong to, to Drake. And it's starting to concern me a little bit. And I'm not sure if that's a sign that they don't trust Drake right now or uh, they just really like Kyler Murray. And with how great Chase Edmonds has looked when he's in there, I'm kind of tempted to say go with Chase Edmonds because if they do make that change, again, he's already on your roster and you don't need to make that change. And so I'm really kind of putting blood in the water and uh, at this point. And who's the most... Who's the weakest and bloodiest uh, running back right now? And it's Kenyon Drake. I think he has the uh, uh, he has the shakiest position right now of maybe getting uh, getting benched in favor of another running back. Because again, Edmonds is, is playing well. He's a good running back, and now's the chance to kind of pounce on that and take a chance on Edmonds in the hope that uh, you know that Kenyon Drake starts to see a decrease in, in volume. Because he's just not playing well right now. These first three weeks have been kind of rough if you're a Kenyon Drake owner. My number three is Carlos Hyde. And that's just because if Chris Carson indeed's ankle is not good enough to play this week, Carlos Hyde is going to be the running back. That's valuable in a Seattle Seahawks offense. I I know that uh, Chris Carson will be back soon, even if he misses this week. But I, I still think Carlos Hyde is a good one-week uh, one or two-week pickup. And, and worth the cost just for that because uh, he will produce for you when he uh, if he does get to play for Chris Carson. At wide receiver, my number one wide receiver is Justin Jefferson for the Vikings. I liked what I saw. It was kind of a breakout game. I don't think they go back to not using him after what they saw. And I think it's just a sign of more good things to come. Maybe not 175-yard receiving things to come, but I I think he's going to be a weapon in this offense from here on out and definitely need to take a chance on him and and own him. My number two is T. Higgins from the Bengals, and I say that because I don't like what I see from A.J. Green. I don't know if he's recovered from his injury or what's going on with A.J. Green, but it's not the A.J. Green that I remember, that I know, and that I love. It's a different A.J. Green. Tyler Boyd's been looking pretty good. He's been getting the targets, but I think the target share uh, starts fading away from the other receivers and starts going to T. Higgins because T. Higgins, to be honest, was my favorite receiver coming out of the draft. He's really talented. Uh, You know, when he went to the Bengals, I was a little less psyched about that because I figured that T. Higgins wouldn't, you know, especially his rookie year, necessarily – see the targets that he would somewhere else with A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd being there. But uh, with the what I'm seeing from A.J. Green, 
I really can see T. Higgins really making that next step, volume-wise, target-wise, and he's finding the end zone, too. He scored two touchdowns last week. Pick him up. It's a sign of good things to come. My number three receiver is really kind of boring, but uh, with Michael Pittman Jr. hurt, Paris Campbell out for a while, it is Zach Pascal. Zach Pascal will be that receiver that will get the ball, and he's reliable. Like he was on people's fantasy football roster last year, and he was able to, you know, get the fifty to sixty yards if he scored. Hey, you know, give me those ten points from each position, and I'm good. And Zach Pascal was like that. I mean, he, he did have a couple of, of big games, but overall, he was just that. You know, getting those fifty to sixty yards receiving, maybe that touchdown, and. Uh, that's valuable. I would pick that up at this point, especially if you have a guy on your bench not doing anything. Uh, Zach Pascal would be a good play. At tight end, my number one, kind of sticking with the uh, Colts theme, Mo Alley Cox. Jack Doyle doesn't catch the ball very much or very well. He's a great guy, though. So, you know, if you have a fantasy football team uh, for good guys, then have Jack Doyle on it. If you have it for fantasy football production, have Mo Ali Cox on there. I think that he starts taking over that role as the top target at tight end. He's hard to miss. He's so big that, you know, you can just throw it, you know, he's like a, a skyscraper out there. Just throw it in his vicinity and it just absorbs. He absorbs the ball. And uh, I liked what I saw from him that first week. I actually didn't. Uh, you know, against the Jets, I wasn't sure about the matchup necessarily. I thought that uh, th- they wouldn't be targeting the tight end very much, and he did pretty well. So I, I'm all aboard the Mo Alley Cox train. I think you need to have him on your roster at this point, and he's doing a lot better than you know Rob Gronkowski, um, Drew Sample, like we just mentioned last week. We thought he, was, he would be a good play. He's a uh, He's someone you need to own. Number two is Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham for the Bears with the uh, 10 targets he had last week. He is starting to show that he's relevant for Chicago. I like him with Nick Foles. Mitchell Trubisky, I would have still kept him on my bench. But uh, with Nick Foles, I think Jimmy Graham can be a weapon. Bears like to use their tight ends. Jimmy Graham needs to be played. He's my number two pickup. Pick him up. It was tough to decide between which one to make number one, Mo Alley Cox or Jimmy Graham, but I, I just like the size of Mo Alley Cox and what the Colts can do in that offense over the Bears. And uh, But nonetheless, Jimmy Graham, great, he's going to be a great play with Nick, with Nick Foles, so he's your number two. Number three, Robert Tanyan for the Packers. I liked what he did last week. You knew that the tight end position was going to be relevant. Uh, Robert Tanyan was actually one of our starts when we talked about the game and the matchup and the preview. And I'm thinking that Aaron Rodgers is going to potentially incorporate the tight end a little bit more. And, and this is a week after I said, for whatever reason, he never incorporates the tight end. But it was intriguing to see because it wasn't just Tanyan. Sternberger was involved. And so hopefully that uh, the tight end starts becoming more a part of their offense. And Robert Tanyan is actually the starting tight end that you need to own. He had a great game, and uh, with with some of these matchups coming up, he could be uh, of some value to you. 
So that does it for our pickups to stick ups for week four. And yeah, let's, uh, let's see how some of these pan out. Now it's time for our Thursday night preview. It's the Denver Broncos at the New York Jets. And I can't think of a worse matchup for week four than this one. Uh, it's going to be very sad. Denver's favored by two and a half points. It's at New York, so I kind of want to go with the Jets, but I can't. I just can't go with the Jets. Uh, I gave them the benefit of the doubt last week against the Colts, and they were atrocious. I'm going with Denver and giving up the two and a half points. And that's hard for me to say because I don't like Denver, and I'm not sure that their offense is very capable. But at this point, I just I can't double down on the Jets. I, I don't think they're good. I don't think anything about them is good. I'm going Denver all the way. And I say that with not having a lot of confidence because, again, Denver's offense is atrocious as well. But, yeah, it just comes down to me not liking this Jets team at all. Starting, uh, I'm starting Jeff Driscoll. I'm starting Melvin Gordon. I'm starting Jerry Judy if he plays. I'm starting KJ Hamler. I'm, yeah, I'm starting everybody. Noah Fant. I'm starting all the Broncos, basically. And, and Jeff Driscoll might not play. They might start ripping. I'm starting ripping against the Jets. Now, I don't have him in my top 12, if that's what you're asking. So I'm not saying I would start him over a lot of people. I just think he has a good matchup, and he uh, is a play against the Jets. And Melvin Gordon, he's a play against the Jets as well. He had a bad week last week. I think he bounces back this week. And I really like the receivers. I really think Judy and Hamler can do some damage. And I really like Noah Fant a lot. I, I think Fant can have a big game. But it really is going to come down to the quarterback and if they're able to get the ball to these weapons. Um, but I do like the Denver Broncos' young talent that they've accumulated. On the Jets' side of the ball, you're starting Brashard Perriman if he plays. Now if he's hurt and he doesn't play, you're starting Jamison Crowder. You're starting Chris Herndon. And... I'm saying this matchup-wise, Denver's not good at defending those positions. But in all reality, I'm trying to bench as many Jets as I can. I just don't trust this offense right now. It doesn't matter who they play. They haven't looked good. I mean, maybe Jamison Crowder in this one. I might play Jamison Crowder, and, and that's it. Uh, you're sitting Sam Darnold, sitting Frank Gore. Although it does help that Jarrell Casey went on IR and will be out for the season. It might help the uh, Jets run game a little bit against Denver, but overall, Sam Darnold and Frank Gore are sits for me. I, I don't trust them to have a good game, and that's unfortunate. Uh, this is going to be a game where it's like, I'm going to watch it because it's football on Thursday night, and I have nothing else to do, but you're not going to enjoy it. It's, uh, yeah, it's going to be one of those things where, uh, it's going to be a painful watch, and you're going to do it, but you're not going to enjoy doing it. I had Jonathan Taylor as a start, Mo Alley Cox, which was uh, nice. Obviously, I had all the Jets benched, which was a good call. And 
Austin Eckler is a start, which was a no-brainer. I had uh, I did have Mike Davis as a sit, which he actually had a decent day against the the Chargers. He could have definitely should have been a start. And I had Cooper Cup as a start. I had Devin Singletary as a start. They both had good games. And it's funny because Josh Allen was amazing, and I had him as a sit. And obviously, I know you're not going to bench him, but I just thought this would be a game that he didn't perform like he did the first two weeks. And I was wrong. Never going to doubt Josh Allen again. He needs to be started in all full, uh, formats all the time. And uh, I won't even give my discretionary, like, he's going to be started, but he might not have a good week. That will never be the case again with Josh Allen. So, um, you know, Miles Sanders could have done better. Thought they didn't use him enough. Uh, I would have been using him like crazy with the uh, receivers that Carson Wentz had to throw to. I did say to start Drew Sample, which we already talked about that. Let's not rehash it. Was a bad move. He didn't do anything. And then uh, with the Tennessee-Minnesota game, I had Ryan Tannehill to start, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, and uh, Ryan Tannehill, eh, I don't know, but Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry had a great, uh, were great starts. I said start Kyle Rudolph, and he scored a touchdown, so that was intriguing. I did, however, say bench Justin Jefferson. Big mistake on my part. He was one of the top receivers. On the Houston-Pittsburgh game, I had Will Fuller, Randall Cobb. Both of them scored touchdown and had over 60 yards receiving. James Conner was a start. He did. He had over 100 yards and a touchdown. Did have Dante Johnson. Can't predict him getting hurt, though. So, you know, it is what it is. David Johnson I had sitting, which he had a horrible game. And I did get, I did have Eric Ebron, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Ben Roethlisberger as sits, which, you know, they did all right. They they were respectable. That would have helped your fantasy team. So maybe not a great call on those ones. I had I had the Darren Waller sitting, which right on Patriots take away their best option. That was Darren Waller. That's what they did. And I had James White starting. But it's almost like a caveat because he didn't end up playing. Rex Burkhead took his place there and scored three touchdowns. So that was a great call in regards to that position starting. Sony Michelle, I said, you need to give up on him if he doesn't do well here. He did great. He had 100 yards rushing. Um, and Hunter Renfro, uh, I had him as a start. He did pretty well against the Patriots. Had a, had a touchdown that was called back based off of his knee being down, um, unfortunately. and But he had a great game. And that will that's about... Uh, oh, Cam Newton I had as, had as a sit. Didn't think he'd have a good game. He didn't have a good game. He actually played pretty bad. So I'm happy about my picks. I, I think I did overall a pretty good job. And I'm feeling pretty confident about week four as well. I think we're going to get you the right plays this week to win your week and dominate your league. Well, we did it, guys. We are done with today's show. This is it. Uh, we appreciate you listening. This is the Burke and Ms. the Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast. You can reach me at Twitter at Ms. M-I-Z-Z Montalban, M-O-N, 
T-A-L-B-A-N. We hope you enjoyed listening to the show, and we'll be back in a couple days to do the morning game preview. Take care.